All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, from, uh, from myself, I'm the lead pastor, uh, Steve Husky. So great to have everybody here. On behalf of my wife and I, we just want to wish everybody here that's a mom happy Mother's Day. want to give a big shout out to my bride. Happy Mother's Day. Everybody in Lawrenceburg, can we welcome our Faith Church family up there? It's great to have you guys. Happy Mother's Day in Lawrenceburg and everybody else watching online. Hey, it's a great day. Is anybody thankful to be here today because of who Jesus is and what he's done? Can we give him our best praise for just a minute? Come on, church. Awesome. Well, hey, listen, I just want for a few minutes to talk about this idea of hope and disappointment. Everybody in this room has dealt with disappointment. Think about it. I I remember as I kind of processed this message, this is the first thing that jumped on my radar. Kind of crazy, but I'm going to share the story anyways. Like, I've never had the cool hair. I still have hair, so I'm up in some of you. But, you know, like coming up in this, I was born in the early 70s, so coming in the 70s and the 80s, I always wanted the hairband hair. Come on, some of you are old enough to remember when you would part it in the middle and feather it and get a mullet. Come on, baby. It wouldn't happen because my hair doesn't get long, it gets big. And then like as things change, everybody's like spiking it and pointing it. I can't because I got calyx. So it just doesn't, so this is it. If you don't like it, this is all I got right here. This is the best I can do. But I remember I was about 13, 14 and uh, at the time, I wasn't a big fan of their music, but some of you might remember George Michael from Wham. That dude had some good-looking hair, and he was a good-looking dude. And so I'll never forget, right, if you want a haircut, guys, go to a barber. If you want a hairstyle, you got to go to a men's salon. That's just how it is. First time ever, 14 years old, walked into a men's salon with a picture of George Michael. Oh, come on, I'm admitting it. We're getting raw today. And I walked in, I said, I need you to make this look like that. And he sat me down. This guy was from New York, so I figured he could pull it off. And I remember he cut longer than the other guy cut, and he's moving around. He's putting product in my hair. When it's almost over, he's blow drying it and brushing it. I'm like, I'm about to pick up some women. That's all. In the moment, I could just feel this is about to go right. And I'll never forget leaving the salon. Like, I didn't look at my hair. I paid a lot more money for a salon than a barber. And I got into the car, and I looked exactly like I did before, just with shorter hair. Like, I didn't look anything like George Michael. Nothing. Man, we, we all deal with disappointment. Come on, come on. Ladies, if you ever walked in the salon with a picture and didn't walk out looking like the picture, come on. I know some dudes aren't going to help me with that one. That's why I appeal to the women right there. We all deal with disappointment. Sometimes it's the small things. Sometimes it's reaching into the McDonald's bag for one more fry, realizing the last hand down in, grab the last fry, disappointment. It's working hard in the gym and getting on the scale, realizing you didn't lose, it's disappointment. Those two things might be connected, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes it's, you know, our sports franchise didn't win. Sometimes we didn't get the gift we wanted for Christmas or our birthday. Sometimes disappointment runs deep. When we get the doctor's report, we didn't want to get. We don't get the job we applied for. Where people we've counted on and believed in, we find out, have betrayed our trust. And so disappointment runs deep. The question is, how do we deal with it? The word disappointment really is kind of a cool word as we flip the script and talk about hope. Disappointment comes from two words or two parts of a word, right? Obviously, this word appointment. The idea of an appointment is like you have this plan, you're going to meet or connect with this thing, and the word dis is a prefix, negative, 
which ultimately means this, disappointment is when you miss the appointment that was set by hope. Like, I hoped that would happen. I hoped I would get the job. I hoped my marriage would last. I hoped I would lose some weight. I hoped I would look like George Michaels at least for a few minutes. And that I missed the appointment. It didn't happen. It didn't come through. And we're left with this feeling of disappointment. So how do we deal with disappointment? We open with this song, High Hopes. Can we give it up for our worship team? Because, man, I, they always blow me away how they kill some songs. How do we deal with disappointment? Well, Jesus, he comes on the scene, and he, he gives us hope to cope. He tells us where we can find hope, how to battle disappointment, how to overcome and deal with the things that all of us in this room carry and all of us face. And so I want us to jump in and just read a handful of uh, scriptures. Matthew chapter 7, this is a, a, a small parable that Jesus is telling. I want you to notice right away that Jesus is comparing and contrasting, and we'll see this really to two people, two individuals, two groups of people. And you need to decide as we go through this today, who am I in the story? And he jumps in and he says this, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, giving us hope to cope. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching, come on, you all have to read this with me, and is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Now, just stop for a second. This is, before we get too far in, this is really important because obviously in a church like this with hundreds of people in this room. We're going to have literally thousands of people on both campuses and all of our services. There's lots of people who are going to sit here today, and you're going to hear what Jesus has to say. That's not the win. It's not enough to hear it. You have to do it. You got to do something with it. Now, I can be the first one to admit that I'm not great at doing what I hear, no matter how smart the person is who says I should do it. I might even ask their opinion. Sometimes we're just rebellious. Sometimes we're resistant. Sometimes we're bullheaded, and we don't do what the person that we ask, what should we do? We don't do what they said we should do. You ever go to a doctor because you're sick, and the doctor says, you need to change this lifestyle, and you need to take this medication this amount this long, and we don't do it? Oh, thank you. Thank you, my man. I appreciate the honesty. (laughs) Here, take this antibiotic. You want to take it twice a day for 10 days. We take it three and a half days, feel better, and quit. I'm sorry, you, you went to medical school where? Come on, we, we ask our accountant, what should we do? We ask people, like, what should we do? And we don't do it. We drive down the road, we see a speed suggestion, I mean limit. <laughs> and, like, we just don't listen. I just, you just got to get this in the beginning. Jesus is saying foundations are built by following, not listening. This is so important because we're going to talk about where do we find hope to cope, and Jesus is going to quickly identify it is found in what is the foundation of your life, and it's not enough to just listen to what Jesus says. James, his, his brother, says this later on. James writes and says that we're not just to be hearers, we're to be doers of the word. It's like sunscreen. Listen, baby, you're going to get burnt at the beach this year. If you don't apply it, it's not enough to research it, it's not enough to buy it, and it's not enough to carry it to the beach. You have to apply it to your life. And if you want to experience the life change that Jesus came to bring, if you want to find a foundation of hope in your life, you have to apply what he said and not just talk about it. Come on. So he says this. He goes on. He starts to compare and contrast this, these three elements. I want you to notice he's talking about houses. He's talking about storms. He's talking about foundations. 
He says, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. Come on, everybody read it. Because it's built on what? It's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse. Not that it might. Come on, say it again. It will collapse with a mighty crash. I mean, man, this is crazy. So again, he's talking about these, these three ideas. He's talking about, again, houses, storms, and foundations, comparing and contrasting. And the idea of these houses, think about this. He's talking about maybe two individuals who are building houses, and he's really comparing our, our lives to homes. That's the same way a person goes out to build a house. We live our life daily building our lives. We build our financial lives. We build our relational lives with decisions we make, people we date, how we treat our spouse, financial lives, how we spend, do we tithe, are we generous, do we set up and store ahead for retirement? Like we're building our lives, building our educational lives. Like he's saying a house the same way a house is put together board by board. He's saying we're building our houses by the decisions that we make. And I don't know about you, but like I like a good looking home. But unfortunately, we live in a society that is so about the outward appearance, and we're not really concerned enough with what always matters most. What Jesus is trying to teach us in this is both these houses are probably good-looking houses. They're both brand-new homes. They're both on the cover of a magazine. They're both, they're both on Zillow. You can find them. You can both do like a walkthrough, and they're both good-looking houses. But what Jesus is trying to say in comparing and contrasting is it's not how pretty the house is that matters. In fact, he's saying the position of your house matters more than the presentation of your house. Here's why that matters, because a lot of us in this room, we are building lives that look good, but they're about to collapse. We build financial houses, we buy cars we can't afford, we live in homes we can barely pay for because we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. And we drive down the road and we wear certain clothes and we buy certain things so everybody thinks we have it put together and some of you are missing one paycheck away from financial collapse because we want to look good. Some of us rush into relationships because we're afraid what other people think of us because we're not married yet. Come on. Some of you sitting in this room, some of you in Lawrenceburg, 20, 30 years old, you're not married yet, so you want to sacrifice what other people think of, sacrifice your future because of what other people think about how you look. And Jesus is saying what really matters isn't the presentation. Like, we all have a presentation we want to keep up. But he says, don't get so lost in the presentation and the display of who you are that you compromise your foundation, that you compromise your stability of life. It's not worth it. Eventually, he's saying, financially, you won't collapse relationally you're going to collapse like your life if it's not built right it will collapse foundations are built on following there's an old testament isaiah here's what he says here's where we're supposed to build our hope he says this in isaiah 28 verse 16 therefore this is what the sovereign lord says look i am placing a foundation stone in jerusalem a firm Intested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. And whoever believes never need never to be shaken. If you don't know yet who he's talking about, the foundation stone that God has put for all of us to build our lives on is Jesus. Is Jesus. 
that again, man, we're so caught on the outside. Listen, it's not what people see that determines your strength in life. It's the stuff that people don't see. It's your hidden prayer life. It's you counting on Christ. It's how you make decisions when nobody's looking. It's the things that people don't see that's going to matter most when the storms come. So let's talk about the storms. Because again, Jesus, he says, okay, there's two houses, right? It's not about the house. He says, man, then the storms come. And notice that both of the houses, both of the lives experience the same storms. And so what Jesus is really telling us is he's, he's not just teaching us of where we can find hope to cope, but he's talking about the scope of hope. How big is the hope of Jesus? I'm just going to tell you it's huge. The word hope is used over 70 times in the New Testament, which means hope is a major theme that God has for your life. If you are not yet experiencing hope, you are missing the best that Christ came to bring because he wants every person in a hopeless world to find hope that will carry you through no matter what storm comes your way. And so the scope of hope, think about this. The world we, we live in talks about hope as well, but the hope that we talk about in the world at large is not the same hope that Jesus is talking about. Like the hope of this world is like, hey, you can do it. It's self-motivation. It's pump you up. It's, it's okay. It's positive thinking. But I'm just telling you that there is a big difference between psychological hype and theological hope. Right? One of them is this personal optimism that what you hope happens will happen. Biblical hope is when you trust what God promised will happen. And it's just a big, big difference. One is, again, this idea that you're trusting in yourself. The other is that you're trusting in God. And so he comes along, he says this, he says, watch, notice both of these homes. This is so big. He says, both of these homes suffer storms. The winds blew on both of them. The rains came down on both of them. The floodwaters came up on, under both of them. They both experienced the same thing. In fact, Jesus, he said this one other time. He said that the rains fall on the just and the unjust alike. And you're not, I'm not sure. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not sure what he's saying there. There's only two options, and I'll give you both of them. And I'll tell you what I think he's saying, because I believe he backs it up here. Rains in throughout scripture, throughout that whole society and culture, if it rained, you were blessed. If your crops came in, you were blessed. If, if it didn't rain and your crops came in, it's because your God was mad at you and you weren't making the right sacrifice, you weren't praying the right prayer. And so maybe what Jesus is saying is that the rains fall on the just and the unjust, the godly and the ungodly, the believer and the unbeliever. What God was saying is I bless people in spite of who they are because you don't earn my blessing by how good you are. I give my blessing by how good I am. Uh, listen, I know this, before I ever got saved, God was good to me, and he's still good to me today. Can anybody say amen to that? So rains come whether you love him or not, he's going to bless you sometimes. But I think, what, and, and that principle's true, but I think what he's saying is you can still love God and still go through some stuff in life. Just because you love Jesus doesn't exempt you from trials and tribulations and struggles and arguments and your kids losing their mind and your dog running off and you getting in a fight with your neighbor. Come on, somebody. Like, it just doesn't exempt you from any of that. Rain is coming your way just like it comes on the person who doesn't love God. God is saying, at the end of the day, trouble's coming your way. And the scope of hope covers no matter what comes. Rain's coming, his hope will cover it. Torrential downpours are coming, his hope will cover it. Winds blow, it'll cover it. Whether you go through sickness, whether you go through sin, whether you go through struggle, the hope of Jesus is enough, Lawrenceburg. It's enough, Lawrence. But here's, this is so important. You got to see this because nobody likes storms. 
But sometimes storms are the best things you can go through. See, you'll never figure out how strong you are when the weather of life is fair. You'll start figuring out how strong you really are when the winds start blowing. You'll start figuring out how, how put together your life really is when the rains come. If you're taking notes, it's difficult times that expose or endorse the foundation of your life. Like it's when the winds blow that you start figuring out. And sometimes I believe that God will allow storms in your life. And the storm isn't there because God is mad at you. The storm is there because God loves you. And he knows you've been building on a relationship. And you put more hope in that person than in him. Or you put more hope in your career than him. You put more hope in economy. And you put more hope in politics than we have in Christ. And so he allows storms to come our way. He allows things to happen for us to pull back and say, wait a minute, can I count on that? Can I depend on that? Because he wants us to see that eventually if you build it on anything other than Christ, it will eventually collapse and so maybe you're going through a storm you're like God why am I going through this and God's going through it because he wants you to pull back dig up a little bit and reestablish the foundation of your life yeah. some of you came up in church and there was a time in your life you had a foundation and you started replacing that foundation with other things it's never too late to replace the foundation in a physical home it's expensive and costly but in your spiritual life, you can do it just like that. God, I turn it all over to you. Some of you in this room, some of you watching online, some of you in Lawrenceburg, the greatest decision you can make today is to say, God, I've been building my life on the wrong foundation. I'm deciding today to turn it over to you. I want to build my life on you. And so it's this, it's this idea, again, this, this contrasting that Jesus is doing. So again, there's, there's houses. It's not about the house. It's not about how you look. It's not about how you dress. It's not about what you drive. It's not about the storms that are varied in both of our campuses. It's not about the storms you're going through in Lawrenceburg. It's not about the storms I'm going through. All of us will go through storms. So Jesus is saying it's, it's, not about, it's not about the storms. It's not about the house. The point that Jesus is making in this story and in this parable is about the foundations. What he's really saying is, is this, it's the stability of your life is tied to the stability of your foundation. And the challenge is he comes along and like a lot of us in this room, right, Jesus was never intended to be an addition, but always intended to be the foundation. Like a lot of us, man, American thinking is this, like I have, I have my life, I have like these are the people I date, this is how I spend my money, this is what I do with my decisions. Oh, I, I go to church now, like we add Jesus in. And Jesus becomes an addition on our house. And then we got our bedroom. That's where we have sex and sleep. Unless you're radical and you're doing some other freaky stuff, and we ain't here to talk about that. <laughs> but there's some others in the house, and that, come on. We got our bedroom. We got, we got the kitchen. That's where we cook food. And we got, the, we got the living space. That's where we watch TV and hang out as a family. Like, there's family. I got an office. That's where I do my office work. That's where I sleep. Oh, and now I got a Jesus room. I go to pray sometimes. That's where I go on Sundays. Jesus was never intended to be an addition. He was always intended to be the foundation, not a part of our life, but the totality of everything we do. And, and I know this. Listen, I'm going to meet you where you are today because I've, I've done this, and this is, this is part of our spiritual journey is as we grow, we start putting more of our life on the foundation of Jesus. And maybe today just your decision just needs to be, Lord, man, you're the foundation in so many places, but you know, man, God, I've held this one area back. 
And I've not built my life following you. I've not built my foundation by following. I've done life my way relation. Lord, today I just need to build, I need to build my relationships on you. Yeah. I need to do relationship your way. I need to do marriage your way. I need to do finances your way. I need to do fear your way. God, I've been wrestling with fear my own way. And some of you suffering with anxiety attacks and you can't sleep and you wake up afraid. And maybe part of the process of finding freedom is building on a different foundation. So at the end of the day, man, it's like this whole shift and this whole change that keeps coming and we keep wrestling with it. And you got to decide again about the foundation of your life. Back in 2004, Hurricane Charlie came. I mean, there's been so many hurricanes, massive hurricanes since, but 2004, some of you remember the hurricane that hit Florida, and at that time, it was one of the biggest ones in decades, wiped out over 12,000 homes. And here's what they found after the hurricane had passed, after the homes were destroyed, insurance agencies who were rebuilding the homes, cutting checks, did research, and here's what they found out. The majority of the 12,000 homes that suffered catastrophic loss in Hurricane Charlie they had one common factor, and it was this. They were all homes that were built, or the majority were built, before a new hurricane code was put in in 2001. 2001, they said, if you're going to build a house in Florida, it has to be built at this code that can suffer and go through hurricane force winds. And the ones that fell were the ones that didn't meet the code. Question, does your life meet the code for hurricane force winds? Because they're coming. And foundations are built. By following. Come on, is anybody here thankful for hope today that we have in Jesus? Come on. So it comes along. Where does hope come from? Again, Jesus, he's offering here hope to cope. He's saying, listen, I want you to, I want you to build. You decide. You decide. You're going to build a house. You're going to build a life. You're going to build a career. You're going to build a financial portfolio. You're going to build a marriage. You're going to build kids. How will you build your life? What is the source of your foundation? Where do you find hope to cope? 1 Peter 1.21 says this, that through Christ, you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. What he's saying is this idea that like at the end of the day, that because God sent his son Jesus to die for our sin and he didn't just die... But he prophesied it and pulled it off that three days after he went into the grave, he would come out alive, and he did. And our, our, this religion is not based just on a book. It's based on a historical fact. It's bigger than a myth. It's, it's historical fact that Jesus, the Son of God, walked out of a tomb. And because he's alive, we have hope based on everything he ever taught and everything he ever said. That if he's the way, I can trust it because he came back from the grave. And now we have hope. Hope is not found ever in this world. It's only found in Christ. So here's the question. What is your hope tied to? What's your hope tied to? Again, Jesus, he gives, he gives two ideas. He says, listen, you can make a decision of how you're going to build your life. You can build your life on solid rock or sinking sand. You can build your life on things that shift or things that are stable. And again, the stability of your life, the stability of your life is, de is determined by the stability of your foundation. I just can't tie a knot. Just... I skip Cub Scouts. Hope. Here's the difference in this world. Here's what I want you to hear today, that hope, all it is is a rope. Hope is a rope. 
What are you tying? And one end of the rope, baby, is you. And you are tying your life to something. You are counting your hope on something. Hope is just the rope. It's just what you're hanging on. And some of you in this room, you know what you're tied to on the other end? You're tied to possessions. That Jesus said one day that moth is going to destroy, rust is going to destroy. Possessions, the stock market can make your life crash. Your company closing can make your life crash. Everybody wants possessions, but I'm just telling you, listen, you can't count on it because it changes. Hope is a rope. What are you tied to? Some of you are tied to not possessions. You're tied to people. The other end of the rope that you're hooked to is positions. If I can just get the raise, if I can just get the job, if I can just get on the career path, and you get it, companies close. They downsize. I'm telling you, it happens. Some people got finally to the position that they wanted in life, and I have heard this over and over. You know what they found out? It's empty. Hope is a rope. You are tied to something in this world. Possessions, positions, some of you are tied to people. I have great friends in my life, great friends. Not the 5,000 people that I knew 20 years ago haven't talked to since on Facebook, friends. I got people I can call right now that would do anything in the world for me. I got a beautiful bride that supports me in everything I do in life, even the stuff she don't like that I do. (laughs) But you know how many times even those people have let me down and I've been disappointed? The heartbreak I hear from people that had friends that turned their back on them, that leaders, church leaders... Some in this room, man, you've not been in church in years. You wandered in here today because you wanted to come with mom or you're watching online. You won't come back to church because some church leader disappointed you. You put them on a pedestal and they fell and now you've given up on God. He's not the problem. You're the problem. Because you put your life on the wrong foundation. You trusted the wrong. I'm not saying don't trust people. But I'm saying if you want temporary hope, build your life on something temporary. If you want eternal hope, build your life on something eternal. Hope is a rope. Everyone in this room, you're hooked to something in this room. Some of you are hooked to religion. And religion is not the same thing as Jesus. They look the same. They sometimes smell the same. Sometimes. But for the most part, religion is rules and doing the stuff that you're supposed to do to make the God up there somewhere happy that you don't really talk to relationship is knowing Jesus, knowing that you are his son, knowing that he died for you, knowing that he loves us in spite of us, knowing that he's always there, and because he loves us, we're going to love him back. We're not going to be perfect in him, but we're committed to follow him because foundations are built by following. Hope is a rope. So what are you tied to? What are you connected to? Because if you're built on anything other than the foundation of Jesus, here's what he says, and you can't miss it. If If you're building on the shaky substance of sand, things that you can't always, 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 always count on, your house, your life will eventually crash, and great will be its collapse. And then Jesus says this, and I'm just saying what Jesus said, don't get mad at me. It's just what Jesus said. 
Jesus said the person who builds their life, the stuff on the end, other end of your rope of hope, that's anything other than Christ. Christ is our cornerstone. The prince of peace is the pillar of life. The author of our faith is our foundation. If anything on the other end of the rope is there besides Christ, here's what he said. He said, you're foolish. Here's what he said. See, that's not strong enough. The Greek word is the word moros. Oh, you all know what that sounds like. He's saying, anybody that doesn't put their life in me is a moron. You're a dope if Jesus isn't on the other end of the rope. Hope is just the rope. It's going to tie to something. And so today, my prayer for everybody in this room, everybody in Lawrenceburg, not just for all the moms, but dads, teenagers, young adults, classics, whatever your color, race, religion, creed, my hope for all of you, Romans 15, 13. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Watch this. It doesn't just come magically, but because you trust in him. You know how you're trusting in him? I can build my life on that. That looks stable. I can, I can build my marriage on that. I can build my finance on it. I know it's crazy. People tell me, you're tithing? That's crazy. Oh, no, no. That's the best way to build financially is to do money Jesus' way. Do marriage Jesus' way. Do relationship Jesus' way. He says, watch this. I love it. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you do not agree with anything I've said up to this point, how many people in this room would at least admit, I would like to overflow with hope? We live in a hopeless world. When was the last time you had a conversation with somebody and walked away inspired with hope? When was the last time you turned on the news, opened up a web browser, read something and said, man, I feel woo. It's like everywhere you turn, it's dark and getting darker. It's collapsing around us. Do you know why? Because we live in a world of 7 billion people that have built their lives on something other than Christ, and the world is collapsing, and we keep trying to hook up with them, hoping we're going to have a different end. And Jesus said, listen, it's all shifting sand. It's all collapsing underneath of us. When will the wise wake up and build their life on me? Because I'm the only source of hope in this dark dim and dying world so we all have hope you all have it it's just a matter of what it's tied to hope is just a rope but when Christ becomes a cornerstone that's when you'll find stability and so how many of you in this room Lawrenceburg Florence would say you need more hope in this world. How many people would say, I need, to, I need to tie off to Christ? Come on. Father, all over this room, God, I'm grateful that you have made it so clear, such a simple illustration of a house being built and storms coming our way. God, we can all relate to that in this room. Father, we've all sensed the storms of life, the the shifting sands of instability that, God, we all go through. 
And Father, I pray today that, God, there's just something in us that resonates, a desire for hope. God, a desire that, God, it's, it's, everything's not always going to make sense, but everything's going to be okay. And so, Lord, I pray all of us in this room, God, I pray we would stop building additions and start building foundations. That, God, you wouldn't be a part of our life. You would be the support of all of our life. And so some of you in this room, you need to turn over just a portion. Man, you're doing great in some areas. You're killing in some areas and trusting Christ. But there are some areas, man, that are outside of that foundation. You need, to, you need the day to make that decision. And if you'll do it, if you'll trust him, hope will follow. And it just won't follow. It will overflow. And some of you in this room, man, you've not built your life on Jesus at all. And today, right where you are, if you're watching online or you're here, all you have to do is just whisper to him, Lord, I, I turn my life to you. I trust you with my life. Come on, just tell him, I, Jesus, I need you. I've made a disaster and a mistake often in my life. I've sinned and I've fallen short, but today I put my trust in you. If you've never made Jesus the foundation of your life, a simple prayer will change not just your eternity, but your life right here. We don't need hope one day when we die. We need hope in a dark world. And so, Father, I pray let your hope invade every life and every heart. And, Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. God bless you guys, man. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great day.